Let's pray. Father, we just thank you in Jesus' name for your goodness. We thank you for your love. We believe, Father, that at the end of this service, people will be more in love with you, desire you, than they ever have. That is our goal, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. The back of your sheet, you'll see Romans. This is a scripture that God gave us as a church back in November. And so it's very appropriate for 2020. Romans 15, 13. Can we say it out loud together? Now may God, the inspiration and fountain of hope, fill you to overflowing with uncontainable joy and perfect peace as you trust in Him. And may the power of the Holy Spirit continually surround your life with His superabundance until you radiate with hope. Amen. We all have hope. Amen? If you want to follow along with our message this morning, you go to RMFC Church or rmfchurch.org, click on Media, and then Notes, you'll see Healing Part 2. I'm going to talk about healing today. But uh, speaking of healing, every t- if you go to our church Facebook page, the church Facebook page, we do a live 10-minute session Tuesdays at 7 o'clock. Tuesdays at 7 o'clock, we do communion together. And uh, so you can be part of that on Tuesday at 7. Uh, before I begin, I want to read a scripture to you that's not part of my message, but it's I just felt like I needed to share this. Acts chapter 20, verse 28 and 30, it says this. So guard your hearts, be true shepherds over all the flock and feed them well. Remember it was the Holy Spirit who appointed you to guard and oversee the churches that belong to Jesus, the anointed one, which he purchased and established by his own blood. I know that after I leave, imposters who have no loyalty to the flock will come among you like savage wolves. Even some from among you, your very own ranks will rise up, twisting the truth to seduce people into following them instead of following Jesus. You know, um, as a pastor, you know, I've seen, I've watched some, uh, I mean, I'm not totally under a a rock, but um, I know I'm not like the younger generation where they know media something fierce. But I know you can watch, I've watched some of the YouTube things and I've seen a couple of books that um, and if you read this and watch these videos the point that I'm getting at is that I mean these people are just so highly intelligent I mean so smart it feels like I'm listening to them and I feel like I'm maybe being kindergarten compared to them and uh and the more you, I was listening to this one person in particularly, the more that I felt like it was drawing me away from the Word of God. Can I just give you a warning as your pastor? It says, so guard your hearts, be true shepherds over all the flock and feed them well. Let me just say this. Anytime you're listening to something or reading something, if it's drawing you away from the Word of God or from there's something else besides Jesus, you need to stop listening and stop reading. Hello? Are you out there? I'm telling you because there's some smart people that are just super smart. And you think, well, that makes sense. And you listen to something else, well, that makes sense. And then before you know it, it's like 
well, maybe the Bible is just another book. The Bible is not just another book. It is God's Word. And you can either go by that, or you can go by what an intelligent man, what he thinks. I'm going to pick the Bible over anybody's intelligence. Amen? All right. Now we can start the message. All right. Healing. When I talk about healing, there's time, almost every time I feel like it's easy for people to feel condemned as far as, um, well, I have to go to a doctor or I'm seeing a doctor. I just want to tell you this, that doctors are on the same side as Jesus because doctors want, well, a good doctor <laughs> wants to see you get well. Amen. And so uh, I don't want anybody to think that to feel condemned or feel guilty because of that. We are four doctors. All right? Everybody hear that? So don't feel guilty or condemned. I just believe and know this, that God is the ultimate physician. Jesus is the ultimate doctor. And uh, we started off a couple of weeks ago talking about your authority. I think if you're going to know about healing, you have to know that you have authority. Luke 10, 19 says this, Behold, I give unto you power to trample an authority to trample over all the serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means harm you. So God wants you to know that you are the one who has authority. Most people think this, and most people do this. A lot of Christians do this. They're asking God and calling God, God, would you heal me? God, would you do this? God, would you take away this pain? God, would you do that? And generally speaking, nothing happens. I'm not saying all the time because God is so merciful. But this is the point that I want you to make. You have authority that God has given you authority. Mark chapter 11 verse 23 says, You speak to the mountain. We're wanting God to speak to our mountain. We're wanting God to speak to our pain. And He wants you and I to know that you have been given authority. But this is the problem I know is that uh, a lot of times we don't believe in the power of our words. Like if I get a pain in my knee or something, I'll look at my knee and I say, you know, I have Christ living inside of me. Therefore, I have his power, his authority, it's in me. And so I speak to my knee and command that pain to be gone. And then when you do that, nothing happens. The general response is it didn't work. I never say it didn't work. I just keep believing. I said, you know what? I'm believing in the power of God's word over that pain. And I know I've, you may say, well, that just sounds weird. Well, I'm just saying it works. There's been so many times I've had pain in my body and I speak to it. And in just a few minutes uh, or even an hour, it goes away. And, but you have to believe in your words. And we talked last, or a couple of weeks ago about how to resolve that in your mind. You have to get, start walking closer with Jesus as far as knowing who he is and how much he's living on the inside of you. And then from time to time, I just meditate on, man, my words are powerful. Light's greater than darkness. God is greater than the devil. Healing is greater than sickness. Did you hear that? And so, I mean, every time I flip a light switch on, the darkness doesn't go to the corner and says, you can't make me leave. Has anybody ever seen that? If it is, you may want to back off your medication a little bit. But anyway, no, it, it's always going to leave. 
Darkness is going to leave. It has to. Why? Because light is more powerful than darkness. Healing and what Jesus did, listen to me, what Jesus did 2,000 years ago is more powerful than anything you and I will face. I don't care if it is 2020. Anything. It's more powerful. So you have to know that you have authority. You've been given authority. You have authority over your body. You have authority over sickness and disease. All right? And the second thing, that's point one. Know that you have authority. Number two is you've got to know that you're righteous. Your righteousness is not based upon your performance or what you do or what you don't do. I'm going to say it again. Your righteousness does not depend upon what you do or what you don't do. It's dependent upon what you know Jesus did. And I can prove that. Romans 5.17. I think it's great that babies are crying. Just saying it. It doesn't uh, bother me. Can you imagine Jesus? He, I'm pretty sure when he had a big service, thousands of people, he didn't say, excuse me, could you take that child to the nursery? Debbie likes that. All right. Romans 5, 17. For if, now listen to me. I don't want you to look this up. I want you to really listen to it. Listen to this. You can write it down and look it up later. Romans 5, 17 through 19. It says this. For if by one man's offense, death reigned through one. That's Adam. Much more those who receive the abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. If you and I are going to reign, you have to know that you are made righteous. You cannot reign in life if you don't think you're righteous. If you think, oh, I'm just such a sinner. Oh, I can't do anything right. Then you're not going to reign. But it says, if you want to reign in life, you have to realize that you have received the abundance of grace. And the gift of righteousness. It goes on to say in verse 18. Therefore, as through one man's offense, judgment came to all men, resulting in condemnation. Even so, through one man's righteous act of free gift came to all men, resulting in justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. So also by one man's obedience... Many will be made righteous. You're made righteous. You don't become righteous. You don't work for righteousness. Most of my Christian life, I tried to work for righteousness. And to be honest with you, the majority of the church world is still trying to work for their righteousness. But he says here that by one man's obedience, who's that? That's Jesus. By one man's obedience, many will be made righteous. You're made that way. You're made righteous. We were made sinners. Now we were made righteous by Jesus Christ. So if you and I are going to have authority, you've got to know that you're righteous. If you're going to walk in the authority, if you want to rule and to reign, Jesus, listen to me, folks. God didn't come so you and I could rule and reign in heaven. He came so you and I can rule and reign in Pueblo, Colorado, or wherever you live. He came so you could rule and reign in life. Because He knew you're going to have years like 2020. He knew that there was going to be circumstances that are bigger than life. Things that you and I can't even figure out. 
Thing that we don't have the wisdom to figure out. We just don't know what to do. And that's the time we can come to God and say, I trust you. And because I trust you, when the dust settles, I'm still going to be standing. When all this goes away, I'm still going to be on top. I'm not going to be under the rock. I'm going to be on top of the rock. So you have to know that you're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And sometimes, let me tell you, when I do something bad and I just feel guilty, I go, man, well, how did I say that? Good night. <laughs> Opened my mouth and inserted my foot and, and maybe bumped heads with my wife or got ticked about something. It just makes you feel like, oh, I don't measure up. That is the time to when you and I say, you know what, Father? Man, I really screwed up, but I tell you what, I'm just thankful for the blood of Jesus that you shed for me 2,000 years ago and that I know I'm forgiven. I know you forgive me, God, but I'm just letting you know that I'm receiving the forgiveness that you paid for me 2,000 years ago. I think sometimes the hardest thing is when you and I don't forgive ourselves. Jesus has already forgiven you. But you need to realize that you need to forgive yourself because self-condemnation is going to hinder you from receiving and ruling and reigning in life. Did you hear that? So if we're going to have authority, you need to know that you're the righteousness of God in Christ. And you need to know there's power in your words. And just because something didn't happen one time doesn't mean, oh, it didn't work. I'm telling you, the word of God is true. The Bible says this, let every man be made a liar, but his word is true. God is not going to say, you're the righteousness of God. He's not going to say that by your stripes you were healed and just say, well, it didn't work for you that time because of whatever. There's never a but in there. The Bible says that all of the promises are yes and amen. It didn't say unless... Or but, they're yes and amen. Healing is a part. The world, there's three things, or there are three major problems that people, it seems like everything goes toward. And that is, first of all, the major problem is health. I mean, it doesn't matter how much money you have, if, if, if your health is poor, if you're laying on your backside, you're not going to enjoy life. So health is a major issue. The second one is finances. You can be super healthy, but if you can't make two ends meet, you're, you're not going to have a happy life. And then third thing is relationships. Not being able to get along. And so the good news is God has taken care of all three of those. All three. All three. You say, really? I, I see healing was taken care of. First Peter 2.24 says, by his stripes we were healed. And we'll talk a little bit more about that. But my God provides all of my need according to his riches and glory. God delights in the prosperity of his servants. So prosperity, having your needs met and health. But what about relationships? Doesn't it depend on how you and I are treated? It does not. It doesn't depend on how you're treated, whether or not you're going to be happy. If that was the case, man, I tell you what, Paul, who wrote three-fourths of the epistles, man, he must have been miserable most of his life. People were trying to kill him. He was shipwrecked. 
And you know you're having a bad day when you spend days and nights on the sea and it's pitch black dark and the professional uh, seamen are all thinking they're going to die and you're on that ship and then finally God tells Paul and says everybody's going to make it. No one's going to lose their life. But the ship's going to be destroyed. And so lo and behold, the ship's destroyed. So they make it to the, the shore and you think, oh, thank God we made it. And you start building a fire because you're soaking wet and you're probably a little cold. So you make a fire. So Paul gets his hands into some brush and a viper bites hold of his hand and everybody sees it. And they think, oh, he escaped the sea, but you know, he's probably done something really, really bad. And so he's getting payment for it. So he shakes it. You know, it's a bad day if you're shipwrecked and you make it through the shipwreck and then you get snake bit by a poisonous snake. You know, that's a bad hair day. You know what I mean? So he sits there and he goes that he shakes it off into the fire. And then everybody's watching him then, you know, like, okay, let's see when he's going to fall over dead. And it doesn't even swell up. And so they went from he must have did something wrong to he must be a god. Now, that can you get any more extreme than that? You know, you're of the devil. Oh, you're a god. The point is this. Paul knew. He knew of his righteousness. He knew of his authority. And he sat there and he said all of these things. He was in prison for two years. He was in prison. He wrote Philippians from prison. In the book of Philippians, the main theme about it is joy. Come on now. How can you be in prison and be joyful? He sat there and he said, none of these things move me. So it doesn't matter how you treat Paul. This is what he's saying. No matter how you mistreat me, you can snake bite me, you can lock me up, you can stone me, you can do anything to me. But when the dust settles, I'm going to be on top full of joy and victory. Because what you do to me can't touch this. You have to believe that. But you have to know that Christ in you, you have to know who you are in Christ. And so then it doesn't matter how people treat you. You can just smile and say, I love you. I love you. We said about three weeks ago, and that's when people mistreat you, that you pray for them. Anytime somebody mistreats you, what they're saying on their forehead, this is a prayer request. Pray for me. Anytime somebody mistreats you, Anytime somebody just is ugly to you, that's their prayer request to you. I need prayer. That's why I'm treating you like manure. I'm treating you like this because I need prayer. That's supposed to be our response to people when they mistreat us. Not like, you know what? I don't believe in getting even. I'm going to get ahead. That used to be my philosophy. But anyway... All right, so number one, you got to know your authority. Number two, you got to know you're righteous. You're the righteousness of God. And then number three is, and you should know this, but we need to be reminded of this. It's definitely God's will for you to be healed. It's the will of God. It's His plan of redemption, salvation, the forgiveness of sin, the condemnation and guilt that man has been plagued with. Jesus dealt with that. He bore your shame. I know some people may not believe this, but if you study the Jewish culture, Jesus was crucified naked. He didn't have a loincloth on him. He was naked. 
He bore your shame. Can you imagine the creator of the universe? Hung on a cross naked before all to see. That would be a very shameful thing. That was part of the curse that he bore so you and I would never have to be shameful. Man. Man, that's why I always want to serve him. That's why I always want to make sure he's the Lord of my life because he bore Mike Davis's shame. He bore my sin who knew no sin. He became sin. He bore my shame who knew no shame. He bore my poverty. He bore everything of the curse. He bore it so that you and I would not have to bear it. Salvation, healing, provision. This is what it says in the Old Covenant in Isaiah 53. Everybody has a weakness. And God wants you to know that He bore that for you. He bore your sickness. He bore your weakness. He even bore your distresses. And He carried our sorrows and our pains of punishment. Yet we ignorantly considered Him stricken, smitten, and afflicted by God as if with leprosy. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our guilt and iniquities. The chastisement needful to obtain peace and well-being for us was upon him. And with his stripes that wounded him, we are healed and made whole. Matthew 8 in the New Testament says this. Chapter 8 verse 17. That it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah. What I just read. The prophet saying, he himself took our infirmities and he bore our sicknesses. He bore them. God wants you to know that he bore it so that you and I will not have to. So you just got to stand against this. And I tell you what, I, I am learning. I haven't arrived, but I'm learning that even the slightest little thing, like a headache even. You know, you can sit there and go, oh, I got a headache. Well, you know... That's just life and you get those. I'm, talking, I'm telling you, let's not, let's not let the enemy have one piece of our health. I remember when we, Melly and I and Danielle, she was, how old was Danielle when we went to Africa? Eight, nine. She was young. So we went to Africa and right before we came, went there, You've heard me probably tell the story that uh, they were having a major catastrophe in the nation. The army hadn't been paid in months, and so they just turned on the people and started with their AK-47s and their machetes and their guns and all the weapons they had, started going from house to house, business to business, and just taking everything out of it, and they were saying, this is our payment. So Dad had a uh, Bible school, and uh, still does have a Bible school, but he had all this storage containers, you know, like these big containers that are sitting on railroad cars, you know, the big ones. He had several of those full of supplies. And they busted the locks off, working all night, yelling, screaming, and busted the locks off of his containers and started robbing, taking everything. And so we got there right after that. And so Dad and I were riding down this dirt road, and there... It was different than what it is even now. They would have what they call little dukas. Dukas is just a little place they call a shop. And they set it up on, on the sides of the road and sell stuff. That's how you bought stuff. So Dad and I were riding down this road and there was this big wire fence. Roll of wire fence on the side of the road. Dad locks it up and goes, that's my fence. That's my wire. 
So he gets out, tells the guy, you know, that's my wire in Swahili. You know, I just been there. I knew a little bit of Swahili, enough to, not even enough to get by at that time. But anyway, so he starts talking to this guy. And the guy starts pointing to the house, you know, up the hill there. And dad says, Mike. And he throws the fence in the back of his truck. And he says, Mike, get in the back of the fence and watch, get in the back of the truck and watch the fence. <laughs> okay. So I'm sitting on this fence like, what's going on? Because this guy's yelling. And we're starting to cause the scene. People are coming, you know, and seeing what's going on, you know, because, you know, that's entertainment in Africa. So they want to know what's going on. So dad goes up the hill, knocks on this door, and this guy comes out, and he's dressed in army fatigues. So he's part of the army. And he said, that guy down here said, I'm selling it for the, the guy who lives in that house. And he's the army guy. So he's the guy who stole it from dad because he's in the army. So all of a sudden, dad is talking to this guy. And this guy's screaming. And the vein popped out. And people start really gathering around. And I go, oh, my goodness. And all of a sudden, the guy goes back in his house. And then dad just stands there with his hands on his hips. And then the whole crowd starts saying, Kimbia Hagamar, Kimbia Hagamar, Kimbia. I knew that word in, Af- in Swahili. It meant run. I go, this isn't good right now. If they're saying run, this guy comes out with an AK-47 and sticks it in dad's stomach. And I go, oh, Jesus. I've never thought I would be a martyr over fencing, over wire. I mean, how did you die? I could read it in the book. You know, somebody reads it in the book. How did he die? Oh, he was sitting on fence protecting wire. And, you know, was he preaching the gospel? No. Was he out there just doing that? No. He was sitting on wire. Got shot. So anyway, I'm just staring there in my eyes. I've been in Africa two weeks. Two weeks. We're talking greener than green. So dad just turns around and starts walking back. And he said, uh, Mike, get in the truck. We're going down to get the police. You have to go get the police because they don't have police cars. So you got to go get them. So we went downtown. <laughs> picked up a police and they I mean it was about six or eight I'm jumping the back of the truck and we're going to take him back to to arrest this guy so we take him all the way back there and they arrest the guy and we take him back downtown to throw him in jail or whatever and so to make a long story short man I just thought what a story but this is what the point that I've learned that says I'm not even gonna let the devil steal my wire the point is this we do not let the enemy take one ounce of your health, not take one ounce of your life. You stand against it. You may say, oh, it's not that big a deal. Yes, it is. If nothing else, it's the principle of the thing. It's the principle of the thing. So don't let the enemy take anything from you. Are you hearing me? Don't take like, well, it's no big deal. He's not, he's not just wanting to get a headache. He's wanting you to have uh, such a pain in your head that you have a tumor in, you, in your brain. He doesn't want you just to have a cold. He wants you to get COVID or the flu or, or pneumonia. He, he's, he's not wanting just, he, he wants to start it off a little, but ultimately the thing is he wants, he wants you to just suffer. He wants you to die. So don't even leave the smallest part. Matthew 8, 7, or 3 John verse 2 says this, Beloved, I pray that you're prospering in every way 
so that you're continually enjoying good health just as your soul is prospering. So John is praying for Gaius at the, in Third John. It's a letter to him. His physical health, that it would match his spiritual health. God is concerned for both our physical health and our souls. He's concerned about your life to make sure that your needs are met. You say, well, if that's the case, why are people sick? Why are people dying? Because the earth has been given to man and he's living in man and he's waiting on us. Most of the church, most of the world is waiting on God and we've got the cart before the horse. God is waiting on man to take our rightful place because we are supposed to be in charge. Instead of crying out to God, you say, okay, God, give me boldness. Give me boldness. Christ in me, the hope of glory. I have the ability to rule and reign in my life, in my situation. You can't control everybody, and we're not supposed to. But you can control, and listen to me. You know what the biggest thing you can control is that you may not realize is your emotions. Man, you get Christians on Facebook, and man, they just go spastic. And I, I just read some of the stuff, and then I, I've quit trying to read a bunch of stuff because you see a bunch of Christians, man, just responding just like the world would respond. Hello. I'm not here to point fingers, condemn you, or whatever. I'm just saying there's a better way. There's a better way. We don't need to be stressed out just because people are acting stupid. Stupid. Are you hearing me? First of all, I don't have a badge on me that's uh, the Holy Ghost police. You know, people correcting other Christians and correcting that. Well, I'm not the Holy Ghost police. It's a full-time job taking care of Mike. I'm just saying, man. Don't get, don't get tugged down that Facebook social media trapped where somebody responds and it stresses you out. There's a scripture in Peter, uh, 1 Peter or 2 Peter. I was reading, I thought, man, everybody who gets all in a tizzy on Facebook should read that. It's basically this. It says, don't be stressed out by what people are doing. If the devil can't get to you, he wants to get to your emotions. He wants to get you stressful because science has figured out that Stress will rob you of your health and rob you of your healing. It will. So if he can't get to you, he'll just make you stressed out of your gourd so you'll lose your health that way. He's going to try everything for you and I to lose our health. I don't know about you, but I'm not going to let stress take my health. Especially Facebook. Holy cow. I'm not going to let people take my health. Not gonna let the enemy have any joy in me responding. And don't get me wrong, I have responded poorly in some things. I'm learning. But thank God we can all learn and be better off tomorrow than we are today, next week, next month, and next year. God wants us to have the victory because Jesus has paved the way for us to have victory. So I want to encourage you this. Know it's God's will. Know that you have authority. And I just went blank. God's will, authority. (laughs) And you're righteous. 
Thank you. Know that you're righteous. Know that it's God's will. And know that you have authority. This is just, I'm going to keep going. But I'm going to stop it right here. But those are three major points for you and I to have a greater victory over our life when it comes to healing. Know what the word says about you. Know what God's word says about you. And then just take the word. I take the word to God. I said, Father, you know, this is what your word says and this is what I'm experiencing. So I'm asking you to help me and strengthen me to give me grace. I know I have the grace to believe what your word says because what your word says is more powerful than what I'm feeling right now. Did you hear that? The Bible says this. He says, come to me. Remind me. Let us reason together. You can talk to God like you would a father. I talk to my father, my heavenly father. And I say, Father, I know you want me well. I know you paid the price for me to be well. So I'm thankful that you're helping me to walk this out. And he'll help you. He will help you. Even if you don't feel it right away, don't give up. Do not quit. I just sit there and I go, man, I'm believing the word of God no matter what I feel. I wake up the next day. I'm believing the word of God no matter what I feel. I wake up the next day. I believe God no matter what I feel. And I wake up the next day and I believe God no matter what I feel. Because I know God's word is true. It is more true than anything. It's more true than anything. Don't give up. Don't quit. Don't stop. Amen. Let's stand. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you in Jesus' name for everybody here that will be encouraged to stand. Just like Dad said, you're not going to steal my wire. Father, I pray for every bit of sickness, symptom in people's bodies today. They go, no, I'm not going to let the devil steal my health. I pray that people will be encouraged to stand, to believe you, to trust you, that your word is true. It's your will, Father. Your love is so much that you desire for us to be in health. As 3 John verse 2 says, to be in health and prosper even as your soul prospers. Father, I believe for this church, this family, for everybody watching, that they would rise up and start standing. Instead of just letting every symptom, every sickness just push them around and accept it. Say, no, I'm not. I'm not going to accept that anymore in Jesus' name. Father, I thank you for giving people grace and strength. And you've said this, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. So today we say that we are the redeemed of the Lord. We are redeemed from the curse, from sickness, poverty, and lack. We are redeemed. And I thank you that you're helping people. You're helping every single person here in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen.